Good afternoon. Today is May 29th, Friday, and it's good to have you along with us. Now, we all know that shelter in place has been necessary to slow the spread of COVID-19, but there are in fact costs with doing so. Real costs. Today, we're going to explore a little bit about what those costs might be. I got to sit down with my good friend, Carter Johnson, and we just talked a little bit about what he's seeing from his perspective. past 10 weeks into quarantine, and now might be a good time to ask, what has it cost us? You're listening to Talks with Toe. Welcome back to another episode of Talks with Toe. We are here in quarantine life again, as usual, for what's it been, like two two months now, two and a half months? Yeah, I think we're on nine or 10 weeks, depending on when you started this. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, today I'm joined by my great friend, Carter Johnson. Carter, welcome. Hello, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me onto the show, Chris. Yeah, so Carter, I guess first question is, um, what do you do for a living? So I work for Farmers Insurance. Can't say I ever had the, the dream as a kid uh, that I'd be in the insurance industry, but here I am. Um, and at Farmers, I am in their commercial product management uh, department and specialize in doing uh, pricing for our business insurance products. Right. So that's obviously a lot, it's like, like encompasses a lot, right? Yep. Okay. Like what do you guys, uh, like when you guys are like pricing obviously right now, it's kind of a, <laughs> how would you describe the atmosphere around what it's like to be in pricing and in insurance at this moment? Uh, A lot of uncertainties, um, as with most people. So, I mean, in the current state of just COVID, a lot of things are changing. Um, So, I mean, typically with how we kind of look and view a lot of our data is looking for, you know, long-term trends and certain kind of uh, groupings or segments. of the people that we insure to make sure that we're charging the right price for the right customers as best as we can. Um, A lot of kind of statistics and like a lot of large numbers involved um, because obviously at the end of the day, we're not gonna know the perfect price for each customer. Um, But with all the data that we can kind of able to soak in, we're able to kind of get our best estimates. but when you have something like COVID, all those trends are kind of thrown out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to try to decipher what are the short versus what are the long-term trends is really difficult into being able to price to it. Um, so I can't say that farmers, along with all the other insurers, have found an answer yet. And as more data is coming in, we're trying to do the best that we can. Um, but the general kind of atmosphere right now is a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, that's totally understandable as with everyone, I guess. Um, so like in terms of like insuring and stuff, you don't necessarily work directly with the customers, do you? Or do you like, you work more like on the back end side of seeing like, how do you, I guess, manage those assets and stuff? Yeah, so uh, I, yeah, I do not work 
like on the front lines. Um, so Farmers is um, a company that the we have agents that sell our products, um, and it's not a direct insurer where some some insurers you're able to just go online and get a quote. Farmers as well as um, State Farm are some of the biggest insurance companies and they have agents that an agent's office that you would go into to figure out kind of what insurance that you need. Uh, they act as kind of the one-stop shop and knowledge hub to be able to get all your questions answered and the kind of one person that you can go to to make sure that you have all your needs met. Um, so really kind of in pricing, um, I mean, along with the customers as being our customers, the our own farmers agents are our customers. And so we're trying to equip them with kind of the tools that they need to be able to, one, know what they're selling, um, but also make sure that um, we are selling and still keeping the company in a good financial standing. So um, if there were no kind of thoughts about like, oh, can we pay out all of our losses? Uh, the Our agents are gonna wanna just sell for the cheapest price because it's easier to sell when you have the cheapest product on the market. Mm -hmm. um, but the balance is to make sure that, hey, we have for all the risks that we're taking on that we are able to pay out every single claim that does come um, and ensure that we're able to make all of our customers whole again because we've been charging the right prices to be able to have a, a sound backing and pool to be able to pay out to all of our customers when that time comes and when they need it. And so um, when you guys are uh, insuring people, are you mostly insuring um, individuals? Or are you mostly insuring small businesses or large businesses? Like maybe you guys are doing all of it. <laughs> yeah. So farmers, uh, they have a lot of different branches. Uh, the answer to your question is both. Um, so you have personal lines insurance, then you also have commercial or business uh, insurance. So I work specifically on the business side. Um, so all of the pricing that I'm doing is specific to small businesses. Um, within business insurance, you have commercial auto. So kind of your the trucks or vans or vehicles that are used for small business during business operations. Um, you have just your business owner's policy, which kind of helps protect against any loss to like property of the buildings of say like a restaurant or a retail shopping center um, or let's say like an apartment building for a landlord. Mm. Um, and then lastly, you have work comp. So kind of protection insurance for the employees uh, of the employer. Um, if they get hurt on the job that they're able to have insurance to be able to kind of pay for any damages to the people while they're they're working um, and so that's where kind of I focus on the the business business side but farmers as an entity provides insurance to both individuals um, like you and I if we want like a, a personal mm -hmm. auto insurance or quote we can get insurance from farmers um, but then also small business owners okay right. so I guess what are you guys seeing in terms of obviously small businesses are heavily impacted at the moment. Um, yeah. um, I guess, what are you guys seeing some kind of on your end um, of where businesses are kind of struggling and maybe some places where businesses are maybe doing okay for now? <laughs> yeah, no, great question. 
Um, so on the what kind of sectors or industries are getting hit hardest, uh, the two standouts are going to be one, your restaurants, uh, and two, your, your retail or kind of your shopping centers. Um, so I guess in the sense of being hit hardest is one, you have some businesses that are just frankly no, no longer able to operate and are not only just shutting down temporarily, but because of COVID have decided to close up shop permanently. Um, so as an in insurer, they no longer need insurance because the, that business no longer exists. Um, so that's, that's really difficult. Um, the other thing is for um, like restaurants, you also see just the way that they're doing business may look drastically different now. Um, and most restaurant companies, you, you think of them as kind of a, a fast food joint or like a fast casual where people are going into the restaurant itself. Uh, and there are certain risks that come with customers walking through, whether it's slip and falls, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, f fire catching on behind the kitchen, um, et cetera. And a lot of those risks has changed now. And maybe now the risks have more shift, shifted less into like businesses or operations in the actual building. But now like being able to deliver food to the customers as mm. a lot of restaurants have shifted towards delivery. Um, and so a lot of the that kind of coverage is not necessarily in your standard restaurant policy. And so restaurants are now having to take up kind of different endorsements or changes to their policies to make sure that these new ways of doing business um, are covered and they have insurance um, for anything that were to go wrong mm. um, in those kind of the new COVID world of operations. Yeah, that's, um, that's super interesting. Yeah, from kind of the pricing side, the other thing is for something like restaurant, a lot of insurers uh, charge premiums based on annual sales um, to kind of adequately use sales as a measure of kind of foot traffic for the number of people that are coming into a restaurant and being able to kind of rate the pricing off of that. As you can imagine in COVID, the sales numbers are fluctuating all over the place. And for some companies it's their sales are zero. Um, so it's hard for us to know how to adequately kind of charge the right risk. And then also being able to identify, Hey, like, are these short or long-term trends? And will the trends that we saw pre-COVID continue and exist once we get back to quote unquote, the new normal? Yeah, so that, that's, that's super interesting. There's a, there's a lot of questions I have, obviously, because I'm not as well-versed in the insurance side of things, but at least from my understanding, like, as more companies go under, um, obviously, you as insurers have less revenue, but that, that affects how much you can insure the, the remaining companies, right? Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So that's definitely a good part of it. As you can, like, in the personal and in some of the business lines, um, you've seen a lot of the insurers, farmers included, are actually giving kind of premium refunds to a lot of the customers to say like, hey, obviously no one saw this coming. The reason you have insurance, you know, is to protect you against unforeseen events like this. Um, the, the tricky thing with COVID is 
in probably 99% of the instances, uh, it's not a covered peril. Um, so I guess the question asks, is any damages or loss revenue, can I claim or can I make a claim to an insurance carrier to cover for that? Uh, and the answer is no. And that's what's been really tricky and what kind of the, the state regulators as well as the insurance industry as a whole still trying to navigate. Um, so in, in businesses, a common kind of coverage uh, that's provided is called business interruption. So what business interruption is, is being able to cover and pay your small business for the loss of revenue that would happen as a result of like the business having to close up shop or not be able to operate for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. um, so you would think like COVID kind of checks out that criteria. You know, we have shelter in place orders. Some of these are kind of government mandated. Um, businesses are not able to be open. So, and they're not able to make their normal revenue. So can they file a business interruption claim? Well, the two things are, one is surprisingly enough, and I guess a lot of the insurers knew that they probably wouldn't be able to pay it out completely if something like this sort of happened, is that there are virus exclusions on a lot of the policy. So it's not a covered peril. So, so that's uh, actually written into the, the policy. For a lot of the policies it is. Wow. Okay. Um, and then two is that business interruption is loss of revenue due to physical damage because pandemic or virus is not a physical damage to the business itself it does not kind of trigger that clause in the policy contract and can therefore not be classified as business interruption so the typical kind of business interruption claim would be if you have a wildfire that sweeps through or let's say your your kitchen catches on fire um, and then burns down the building obviously they're not going to be able to if it's a restaurant, be able to operate because there is no restaurant anymore. Mm -hmm. So that would be classified under business interruption. They would, the insurer would pay for all of the building costs to build the building back up under the building coverage and then under the business interruption coverage, be able to pay for kind of the forecasted revenue that was lost as of not being able to operate, operate while they rebuild the restaurant. I see. Wow, that's, yeah. So, so I guess a lot of the businesses are having to grapple with the fact that so, they're not going to so, get discovered. Yeah. So then the risk then falls on the, the businesses and that's what's, you know, making them only feel the pain that much more because there is not that coverage and, you know, no one really thought that we'd ever be in this kind of place. So the customers and the, the business owners, you know, when they go to an agent, they're not going to know, 100% the ins and out of their insurance policy. And so it's tough because they're, they're thinking they're covered in a kind of all these worst case scenarios. And it's hard for, you know, people to, to come to grips and also for agents to kind of say like, Hey, we're actually, we can't cover you in this instance because it's not a part of the, the policy contract. Um, so, yeah. So a very tough environment that we're in, um, I wouldn't be surprised if you maybe saw some insurers start to offer coverage uh, for virus or pandemic going forward, um, mm -hmm. which I mean would be extremely risky. Uh, they've done estimates of like what would 
the kind of payments be or what would happen to the insurance industry if states and government made them pay out for this, even though it wasn't the policy contracts mm-hmm. and essentially would bankrupt the industry. Um, but yeah, so yeah. a lot of uncertainty and a lot of problems to kind of navigate through for sure. Yeah. And that's also very much not desirable because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as, as a, in your day-to-day activities, I guess, um, what's it been like as a, you know, working on the financial sector, just working from home? Because obviously uh, it's been quite a while now. Um, what has that been like? <laughs> um, an adjustment for sure. <laughs> um, I can say one, I'm extremely thankful and grateful to even have the capability of working from home as I know that is that is truly a gift and it's made me had a greater appreciation for just being able to work. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm no longer in LA and we don't have any plans to be able to open the office anytime soon. So this will be my new normal for a while. Um, yeah, it, it's different. I think it, with working from home, obviously it's a lot harder to collaborate with different teams and people that I normally work with. I mean, we have web meetings and you have, Skype or um, even just people like we'll text and chat um, but it's still not the same as being able to meet together in person and kind of collaborate and hash out ideas or discuss problems um, but also I would say like I think it has been encouraging to see that like work is still getting done and things are still being you know produced and made and um from all the people that I'm working with, I know people are working extremely hard. And so almost there's trying to figure out kind of work-life balance is, a, you know, a whole mm-hmm. another issue that I feel like has arise, arisen out of this pandemic. Um, like I used to have a 30, 45 minute commute each way. And now my commute is, you know, walking over from my bed to my desk. So, um, and I like to say that I've used that time to be able to, you know, have like a little quiet time in the morning or uh, spend more time with like my family or on a call. But oftentimes that just kind of gets sucked up with more work. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's definitely difficult. Um, I think it's been encouraging to see people get more and more acclimated and adjust, adjusted. Screen fatigue is real, but um <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of how how things turn out as the new normal going forward, because I know, especially just operating the office, like things will look different um, with like social distance scene measures being like a permanent thing um, going mm-hmm. forward. So. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely like, you know, things are going to be new normal for sure, even with the vaccine. I think it's pretty clear that like we can make a vaccine, but most vaccines aren't fully like a hundred percent effective anyways. Um, Cause like, you know, the cold, the flu vaccine, like typically it only lasts a year because for that virus, they mutate so quickly that we have to remake a new one every time. Um, but I think there is a little bit of hope and light at the end of the tunnel now We're starting to get a little inkling of like good news. Um, but with that being said, like, I guess from, your perspective like how do you think this is going to change like how insurers do things moving forward you kind of mentioned it before obviously with the possibility of virus things but i think it's important to note that like as an insurer like 
you're inherently taking on the risk of other businesses, right? Mm-hmm. So, so how do you think that's going to affect, you know, people getting insurance in the future? Yeah. Um, I think one thing is that I feel like insurance will try to shift to be even more electronic than it is. Um, so kind of like what I mentioned is there's still a lot of the big carriers that are, um, you know, they're, they're run by their agents, um, which has, has pros and cons for sure. Um, I mean, the accessibility of getting insurance is a little bit harder because there are, you know, more steps to kind of, you have to go to an agent's office, you have to call an agent, um, and then you kind of have to go through the protocol of trying to figure out what you need and working with that person. Um, and for a lot of people, especially younger people, that's not how they want to, you know, do things and operate. Um, however, I mean, there, there are plenty of benefits with the ins- uh, having an agent run company. Um, but I think with COVID, um, I think the companies that are still agent focused are going to have a, a much more um, motivation or incentive to kind of be, or at least offer a direct channel um, quicker. Um, so I think that's one thing that we could start seeing. Uh, from a pricing side, I think it's it's hard to say. I think it will be interesting to see how exposures are like rated going forward. So like I said, like for restaurants, a lot of like the premium or the the price is kind of determined on like sales. And so maybe there are different types of risks that can be used as kind of like that base mark for, for driving price. Um, because if you have like restaurants closing down, mm-hmm. obviously it's, you're kind of don't really have anything to predict off of if that was kind of like your, your peg that you're pegging your price to along with a bunch of other variables. Um, and then I also think, you know, they're going to be, like I said earlier, I think there'll be some maybe smaller companies or even some big companies that are willing to, to take the risk and kind of knowing that this is a need from, from people, uh, people will like, well, I want to be covered for this. If this were to happen again, um, that you'll have people trying to create a spot to be able to insure it. Uh, although, that will be extremely risky. And then you'll have other companies kind of do the exact opposite and make sure that, Hey, we do not want to get burned by this. So there's no way like ever that we will be offering coverage for this because we want to be able to provide and pay out claims for the coverages that we have better understandings for and that we know we can pay out. And so if like, we'll get, we'll provide coverage to kind of your, auto fire general liability but continue to make sure that it's very explicit that if you need virus protection or uh, protection to closures due to an epidemic or pandemic that you'd have to go and get that outside Um, so yeah like i said there's just a lot of uncertainty and uh, things are developing slow and quickly um, but it will be interesting to, to see kind of what comes, um, out of this in the long term and sticks for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think as, uh, you know, as younger people in general, insurance is not always the flashiest 
subject, <laughs> but it is incredibly important. And like for sure, I mean, insurance just inherently one, it's not anything physical, so you can't tangibly like feel it or or have it or like really know what it is. And insurance is in itself a, it's a promise. You're buying a promise. So you're buying a promise that if disaster comes or an accident happens, that the company will be able to step in and help make th- make you whole or make the damages that you'd caused and are liable for uh, whole again. Um, and so it's something that none of us also hope to use. I mean, we right. pay for it. We don't like paying for it. We hope to never use it um, because that happens. That means something bad happened. Um, but uh, as you said, and what I believe in um, is that it is necessary and it, it helps, you know, allow people to be made hold again in the unfortunate circumstances of disaster. Um, and it also gives people the confidence to be able to, to do their day to day. I mean, for like having an auto insurance, like I can be confident if an accident does happen that I will be be covered for it because I have insurance um, mm-hmm. on my auto. Or if you're like a, a small business that's a little bit more risky or like a, a doctor and doing kind of risky operations that in the event that something goes wrong, that, you know, you'll have insurance to, you know, combat like a, a suit or mm-hmm. um, to be able to kind of, you know, make up for any, any um, liability that happens. Um, so it gives people the confidence to be able to continue their operations, um, as well. So, yeah. And in a time like now, you know, like we can't exactly say confidence is at a all time high, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is important because it does affect like how people can go about through their lives and just like be able to work and, you know, take care of their families and stuff. So I think it's like, obviously very important and it's also good for people to learn more about it because obviously it's like oh i can learn about that later but yeah we're often very (laughs) reactive when it comes to insurance like oh i don't really know what i'm covered for how much insurance i have i know what i'm paying for it because i don't like when i pay for it yeah Um, but i don't truly know what i'm getting until we need to like do the research because it's like oh i got in an accident now what so yeah, definitely, definitely agree with that. Yeah. And like, like every sector, like, I think it's been clear that a lot of what we've had to do as just like a society is kind of react to this. Cause um, even though obviously insurance is like kind of preparing for the worst case, you obviously still can't foresee every single worst case. So, for sure. I guess less reactive than, would be but yeah still we can't see the future so yeah so how are you uh how did you uh i guess more on the person though like how did you end up at farmers good question yeah i think putting the spotlight more on me uh-huh, um, yeah <laughs> I, I i i mean i guess even further back so i know i've known chris for a while six approaching seven years now yeah, uh, met and met an undergrad at UCLA um so like I said at the very beginning of this talk never didn't have dreams or aspirations to go into to insurance so if you would have told me that I was working at farmers insurance as a kid I would have said you crazy <laughs> um 
but yeah, no. So I, I studied statistics and uh, math econ in undergrad. Um, and I've always had kind of just an affinity and interest in analytics and being able to derive meaning and insights from numbers. I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but that's kind of the the gift and the interest that I'd, I'd been given. I'm, I'm um, there with you. I'm there with you. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, going into college, I, I didn't really have like a, a field or industry in which I wanted to kind of really uh how to best put it just like kind of pursue that passion um and so kind of statistics and and math econ are very kind of broad majors that you know could provide you a foundation and could go into a lot of different fields um through kind of my last year uh i had a really good relationship with one of my my stats professors and uh through just kind of interviewing with a bunch of different companies nothing was really sticking and there was no uh opportunities that I was really stoked about until I had an opportunity with farmer's insurance that was recommended uh, by one of my my stats professors. Um, so kind of had some just casual uh, info interviews with some of the employees uh, in the um, product management department at farmers and thought it was just like super interesting um, because, you know, it's, it was less like I was applying to a lot of like mathy data science kind of roles. And this was a little bit more like businessy, mm-hmm. but I liked it because it was, it seemed like there's going to be a lot of collaboration and the part, the purpose of like the job or the role is not to look at numbers for the sake of looking at numbers, but being able to solve problems um, through um, using data to kind of support and, and find answers. Uh, and I really liked just the culture and the team and um, interviewed and got fortunate to have the opportunity and, and product management and pricing and have been there uh, ever since. So it's been almost three years now, which is a little crazy to think about. Um, But yeah, I've been very fortunate to work there. And that's kind of how I found myself at farmers and product management. Um, And then somehow in a roundabout way, I found myself in the insurance industry. (laughs) Nice. Well, you know, everyone has their own story and that's, as good as anywhere. I, I don't know how I ended up here either. So it's, <laughs> things just happen, sure. right? Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, um, we've been talking for a pretty decent amount of time now. So I was wondering if you had any other thoughts or comments on <laughs> it could be your work, it could be a life, or just about what you've learned in this time in general. Um, ooh what I've learned in this time in general. <laughs> I, I think, and I hope that, yes, this this time and this uh, pandemic that we're living through is extremely hard. Uh, I mean, these last couple of weeks for me in particular felt more fatigued than ever. I also know that I, like, I'm not experienced the worst of it and living very much in a kind of position of, of privilege in a lot of ways. I've been able to kind of move home and be with my family, which has been a really kind of special time that didn't think I'd ever have the opportunity uh, to live with them over an extended period of time. And so trying to make the most of that. Um, But yeah, I think just I encourage people to, even in this very difficult time, to use that as an opportunity to kind of think of what matters most. And that's been something that I've been learning through. 
this season of, you know, it's been able to get me to really realize and be grateful for the incredible gifts that I've been given, whether that's the ability to work. Um, sure, not every day is a joyous and fun-filled day, um, but I'm grateful for, for most days and grateful for little interactions with coworkers, um, being able to just, you know, prioritize time with, with friends and family um, and not taking those for granted as well as just, you know, um, you know, thankful for food and, and other things that, you know, can, yeah. you just take for, for granted and don't think really twice about. And then when you're missing out on it, or there's things that you can no longer have as a result of the pandemic, it gets you to kind of appreciate the little things. And so, uh, trying to just be more grateful in this season. And, um, I mean, it's hard and there are things definitely to grieve, grieve about, um, but trying to to hold on to hope and uh, look at the positives as well. So encourage people to to try and do the same as as difficult as it may be. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that I personally also just like been like having to reassess like where am I like putting my trust in? Mm-hmm. And it's like it is very interesting to see how much I put a lot of my trust in just like the work I do in general. Um, and it's not like I get paid a lot for it, but like it's still like that kind of culture that surrounds us. It's like work is kind of our primary identifier in a lot of ways as an American, which is, I think we've all known, but no one really like talks about it, you know? So mm-hmm. now it's just very obvious, right? It's like, it's more obvious because people are, you know, definitely in hard positions because they're losing their jobs. Um, yeah, we even have the label of, are you essential or are you not essential? Yeah, And that's, right. you know, from a, question of kind of purpose and identity can be really difficult for people to to swallow that pill so yeah so I think that's definitely I hope we'll shift just our society's like values a little bit back to what it should be Um, because I think it's like definitely been an issue for a while but uh, because even even on college campuses like when we were in college like it's kind of just like to a whole nother level, but it doesn't stop once you leave college. Like mm-hmm. it just kind of keeps going. And I think it's very easy to fall back into that like cycle of like, Oh, I have to do more work because otherwise I don't feel productive or like I have to do more things and like do this and this to like advance my career. But um, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, hey, you either you're like not going to have work at some point in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably um and like even if you did work the rest of your life like there's still everything else within your life that is for sure you know more important but yeah yeah it's been it's been an interesting time <laughs> interesting is uh one way to put it for sure yeah so I think people have gotten pretty creative in how they keep themselves entertained, but now we're hitting the point where everyone's <laughs> definitely run out of ideas. So, yeah, definitely. But the beaches are open now, so true. You true. can go to the beach. I know. Yeah, it's someone... funny to hear people ask, like, "Oh, what are you doing this weekend?" I'm like, "What do you think I'm doing this weekend?" <laughs> My theory is they're really asking for like ideas of what they could be doing. If they're like, "Oh, you're." Uh, 
you're I don't know I mean people are all everyone's a bread maker now so that's not really yeah, apparently bread. everyone everyone but, bakes <laughs> but oh I'm um, baking pumpkin bread They're like ooh, that's a good idea maybe I can do that this weekend too but um yeah because we're all doing the same thing we're all sheltered in place we're all doing <laughs> nothing but yeah kind of rest yeah but yeah hopefully the end is 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 soon for sure there is a faint light at the end of the tunnel right now that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) yeah where does that tunnel end i still have no idea but light is starting to show a little bit so for sure yeah well thank you carter for your time um thanks chris for having me yeah it's it was a pleasure Uh, where can people find you (laughs) can't say i have any resources i mean you can look me up on uh instagram or facebook family recently you know made a uh, ginger beer guide for all your ginger beer needs if you're looking for what are the best ginger beers whether to drink straight or with a moscow mule follow me on carter johnson or johnson c280 at instagram in terms of insurance content you won't be getting any of that from me so great well thank you All right. See you, Chris. Thanks for having me.